The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 112 for the week of April 8th, 2019. This is Rob Reck, CISO from uh, Ping, Ping Identity. And this is Alex Wood. How are you, Rob? I'm doing great, Alex. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's, uh, it's a beautiful weekend, right? Finally, oh, seems like man. spring day. So nice. So nice. Uh, my younger son had a soccer game yesterday, was outside for a little bit, just hanging out in the sun. It was It was wonderful. Yeah, we did a couple of bike rides this weekend, and um, I know we, we ended up playing some sports outside, basketball and the cul-de-sac and everything. Anyway, it's, it's nice so to get the weather changing. That means it's going to snow next week, right? Uh, Is that can, how it goes? It, and it'll destroy all of those brand new uh, leaves that have been sprouting from the trees, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, why don't we go ahead and dive into the podcast? We have some uh, some housekeeping to go through first. Uh, there's a Slack channel. Have you heard about this before? What What are you talking about, Rob? I don't. I've never heard of this. So Slack is basically a, like a big chat room that all the folks who can join. Uh, the, there's a link to join on the front of the Colorado-Security.com website. We have over 850 security practitioners here in the Denver area who are parts of this, and we'd love to have uh, other folks join us as well. We also have a mailing list, so you can check out our website, colorado-security.com. Uh, go there for more than just the mailing list, but at the, the bottom of the main page, you can find the mailing list sign up. Sign up there, and you will get the show notes in the mail from us. Be the first to know when a new show comes out and get all the details. And one way you can help us as a show is if you would rate us and subscribe on your favorite podcast listener, um, helps other folks find us. If there's more ratings out there, saying nice stuff about us. So we'd appreciate it if you'd help get the word out. Um, if you don't want to rate us, um, which of course you should, um, then it would be great if you just told a friend about how great Colorado Equals Security is, um, get them to listen to the podcast and, uh, just spread the word. So if you've already rated us and you've already told a friend and you want to do even more, well, you could sp help, uh, financially sp support the show through Patreon. This is a opportunity for you to help us defray the cost of the show. Um, and we make sure everything that you guys give to that goes right back into the community. All right, so let's jump into the news. First, there's going to be a massive development in uh, Laundry to create a new downtown and potentially 40,000 jobs. This is going to be on the east side of 25, yeah. which is kind of different than all the other development, you know, like Schwab and, um, well, everything else has been yeah. on the west side uh, of the freeway. This is going to be just on the east side of Ridgegate there. Yeah, so uh, expanding across the highway should be interesting. I think it sounds like there's going to be sort of two, uh, two sections there. Um, but building that out, which I, I guess is not surprising at this point, the, the light rail kind of swings around on that side and, and dumps you off over there. So uh, expansion down in Lone Tree. Uh, it looks like it's going to have about 12 million square feet of office, retail, and healthcare space, um, 10,000 homes, more than 60 acres of parks. Uh, pretty cool stuff. It's going to be the uh, Lone Tree City Center. And it's going to be their new downtown, which is kind of funny because I didn't know that Lone Tree had a downtown. Uh, so I didn't know they had an old one even. Well, uh, Lone Tree is not that old, so I can't imagine that the downtown is very old either. Uh, next, we have a, a couple stories about companies that are coming to Denver. Um, is it Udemy? Udemy? You, think, probably uh, Udemy. Uh, who knows? Udemy, which is a San Francisco tech firm uh, that does training, is uh, leasing in Lodo to put down roots in Denver. Yeah, so they they do uh, they do training as Rob said, and they're looking to hire as many as two hundred employees. Um, 
the expectation is that they will have 50 more by year's end, um, bringing the, the total currently to about 70. Uh, and then kind of a similar theme, uh, the Austin company scale factor is making Denver its second national office. They are currently at about 12 employees uh, and they plan to be within a hundred or excuse me, at a hundred within a year. Uh, it's a finance and accounting platform that helps email or that helps small businesses with their back office needs. It sounds maybe like a little bit of a QuickBooksy or zero or something. Yeah, or, like or, or maybe like a ERP type system. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, next, um, VF Corp which, as we know, is bringing their headquarters to Denver. Uh, they've announced that they are going to be spinning out one of their, uh, some of their companies into a, a separate company, Contour Brands. So this is something that had been in the works for a while. Um, I think that they had said, you know, even when they announced that they were going to be moving here. So if you were hoping that Wrangler, Lee, and some other brands were going to be headquartered in Denver, well, uh, you're going to be really disappointed here because they're yeah, that's not. That's too bad. Um, but it looks like those uh, those companies that are spitting off by themselves are pretty big with over $2.7 billion in uh, annual revenue. Yeah, and I believe that they are going to be uh, headquartered in North Carolina at, I think, the previous Wrangler headquarters. Gotcha. So moving over to the more security-focused news for the week, um, Dark Owl has announced a release of a new Darknet cyber risk scoring tool. Yes, it is called Darkint Scores. And this calculates an organization's footprint on the dark web and converts it to a numerical value. So, you know, credit score for the dark web, I guess. Yeah. And it's really interesting to think about, like, what does that exactly mean? And, and, and how do you, do you want to have a good score? Do you want to have a bad score? Uh, right. what, it's going to be something to figure out as it goes. But it's great to see them trying to put some data to this versus what I've seen from other services is basically just here's anecdotal information, right? And it, it doesn't give you any kind of relative posture versus others. Yeah, and it looks like you can get that information either through their uh, their web app or through an API. So this could be something that you feed into, you know, a GRC tool or uh, or your sim, right? Your sim incident yeah. response. Is there something else to see, you know, how you are essentially performing over time? Yeah, pretty good stuff. Uh, next, uh, Sentinel One and Automox announced a partnership where you can automate patching. Um, through Sentinel One, so Sentinel One is a, a call it next gen uh, antivirus company, and with this integration, there'll be more ties through the Sentinel One agent, so you'll be able to tell uh, what patches are missing and other things like that, and do sort of auto remediation through Automox. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. You can you can make you know just use the, using Sentinel One. I think you can make it do the the deployments of patches. So pretty cool tools. Yeah. Uh, next. Uh, Swimlane, our local SOAR security automation, or excuse me, security orchestration automation and response company, uh, has won three new InfoSec awards. These are all given by the InfoSec Awards group in 2019. Uh, number one, they got most innovative in enterprise security. They got most innovative in security orchestration automation and response, and they got quote next gen in the incident response category. I wonder if next gen means that they're too early for their technology. Is that what that means? I I don't know what that means. Or the uh, all of the first gens are are now old and, and the, crotchety. All and the last so, gens are too old. That's yeah. right. So Get now we've got a new gen. <laughs> they're they're now old and are too slow at responding to incidents. So they need a next gen anyway. Uh, congratulations to Swimlane. Uh, next up, we had a blog post from Route Nine B. Uh, this was talking about Shadowhammer. And uh, I don't know, I'm sure people have heard about Shadowhammer in the news. This was a, um, a campaign that 
they infiltrated the ASUS software update service. So when you were getting downloads um, through their uh, their auto updater, you got malware installed. This is, this is the old watering hole attack here from exactly. a trusted, trusted vendor, of course, if they make your laptop. The interesting thing about the campaign, though, was that even though there were many people that were infected, there were only about 600 MAC addresses that the uh, the malware that was put there actually uh, downloaded sort of a second stage. Um, so they were clearly, as part of this, targeting certain uh, certain computers. Um, and as part of this blog post, Route9B goes uh, into a little bit about the, the campaign itself, but also um, them cracking the, uh, the downloader itself to get the MAC addresses out. So there's a list of the MAC addresses in this. Yeah, pretty cool that you know, a local company is working on this uh, this story. That was one of the uh, one of the big stories here for for a couple weeks in security. Anytime you can find a a main, major manufacturer like that who's distributing malware, it's big news. So congrats sure. to those guys. Uh, next, we have a blog post from Logarithm around uh, evaluating your cybersecurity position in healthcare. I would say number one, this is not a healthcare specific blog. If you want to read it, they they do you know kind of put it that way. I assume they did that for like search engine optimization. Um, but as I read through it, it doesn't actually seem all that focused on healthcare. It's just really any organization's security operations. You know, they they point out the fact that uh, it's you know we're all under resourced. We all have more work to do than we can, and and there's a big trend that it takes a long time to find bad guys once they're inside your environment. Um, so they're pushing toward um, shifting from prevention to detection in your security controls um, and evaluating the, the uh, maturity of your security practice, your security operational practices to make sure that you will catch things when they're happening and really focusing on that as a first step. Nice. And our final article this week is from Coalfire. They had a blog introducing their new scanning platform, Coalfire One Scans. So this is actually uh, written by a friend of mine, Beck Larson. I think you've probably met Beck at different events over the years. Um, yeah. She's think I have. She's the uh, director of scanning services over at Coalfire. Um, so they announced this uh, this new platform, Coalfire One Scans, that's going to do PCI approved scanning. Um, for both internal and external services. It really looks like they've just trying to turn this uh, into a, a an easy to consume service versus, you know, when you buy like a, a Rapid7 or a Qualys or whatever, where you're really kind of running your own tools. This is a service you sign up for, you provide some details and they go do all the work for you. Yeah, I, I feel like some of the other uh, big PCI shops like a Trustwave or things like that have services like this as well. So it makes sense for uh, coal fires, they've gotten bigger to do that too. Cool. Cool to see them making that, that maturity step, uh, new step forward. Well, that's it for the news. Let's go ahead and jump over to our Slack message of the week. Big thank you to Andre Gaeta. Andre is the, really the mastermind and the, the, the pocketbook behind the Slack <laughs> message of the week. Two important points. Yeah. Andre, we appreciate what you do there. Uh, every week we, we recognize one person who started some good conversation or made a really useful post in the Slack channel. This week we want to give a shout out to Esel and and this is E-S-E-L-L. That's his call name and, and I don't know him personally. So I'm going to just go ahead and use that as the only thing we identify him by. Um, he started a really good conversation about OSCP. And I don't know when it was like two or maybe two years ago, three years ago that OSCP became really a high, highly demanded cert and yeah. something that people are, are really working hard for. Yeah, it's definitely something that it, it takes a lot of work to get and shows that you have uh, diligence and dedication and skill. So kind of seems like it took the place of the G pen, maybe, uh, or a certified ethical hacker as, as those things that are, that are the most demand in demand skills for your offensive side. Right. 
Uh, anyway, so congratulations uh, to ESEL. Uh, we will uh, send a note over. So you're welcome to pick something from the Colorado Equal Security Store, your favorite piece of swag that's uh, valued below $25. Um, we're looking forward to seeing you around town and whatever that is. Awesome. Let's jump over to events. Uh, first, before we get into the events of the week, um, we we need to, uh, I think, conclude yeah. our uh, Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference keynote discussion. Let's recap. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the first night was a Tuesday night. Um, we have Michelle Dennity. Michelle Dennity is a chief privacy officer from Cisco. Yep. We start off on Wednesday morning with Kim Zetter, the author of the Ooh, it's the, Z- the Stuxnet book. What's it called again? Countdown to Zero Day. Countdown to Zero Day, yep. Uh, then closing out uh, day day two on Wednesday, is it's going to be me and you doing a live episode of Colorado Equal Security where we will be interviewing Debbie Blythe as our feature guest. Debbie's the CISO for the state of Colorado. Uh, Thursday morning, we have Miko Hypenen, who is the CEO of F-Secure. All right, and then our, our final keynote. Go ahead, Alex. So uh, going with tradition, we were again closing out the conference with a comedian, Nancy yeah. Norton. She is a, a local comedian here. Um, she, within the last, was it last year or is it 2017? It was last year. Last year. Uh, she won the Boston Comedy Festival. Yeah, very, very cool stuff. So she's uh, an up-and-coming comic. She's uh, a, a local one here and, and someone who we're really excited to hearing. And I think it'll be a good way to close out the conference. Yeah, should be good. Looking forward to hearing her. All right. Uh, next, we do remind you that we have a calendar of events on the website at colorado-security.com. If you want to go check out everything that's happening in the community, we do our best to keep that up to spe- up to up to date. Um, and I remind you one more time: in July, there is a, a week long cyber camp that's being held by NCC down in Colorado Springs. This is July fifteenth through nineteenth. This is a chance for your teens to get out there and really get some exposure to to cybersecurity and um, really hopefully, you know, give them a, a visibility about what a career in that space might look like. I'm telling you early so you can sign up because, you know, summers go fast and this is going to fill up. Yep. Uh, first event, uh, CTA is having their progress and potential, a profile of women inventors on U.S. patents on April 9th. Also on April 9th, SecureSet is doing a beginner's intro to capture the flag. On April 9th and 10th, ISSA Denver is doing their April chapter meetings. On the 12th of uh, April, there's the office hours with Davis, Graham, and Stubbs for some legal advice. On the 15th, SecureSet is doing a Denver Blue Team workshop, Fundamentals of Network Defense. Uh, On the 16th, there's the Denver Splunk meetup. Also on the 16th, uh, CSA Colorado is doing their April chapter meeting. The 16th is very popular because it also is going to have the Denver IAM meetup at the Wine Coop Brewery. Um, one more on the 16th and rolling over to the 17th, ISSA Colorado Springs is doing their April chapter meetings. Um, on the 17th, ASIS is doing their April meeting. That is the physical security group that's meeting there. Uh, uh, also on the 17th, DENSEC is doing their April hangout at the Rhine House. On the 18th, the CTA is doing their insight series. This is about AI enabled analytics business intelligence and analytics in the area in the era, excuse me, of artificial intelligence. Uh, maybe they're talking about the area of artificial intelligence also. So that'd be good. Yeah. Did I say that's the 18th? Cause that's the 18th. That's the 18th. Also on the 18th, Isaka Denver is doing their April uh, annual general meeting. So this is the big meeting that they have every year. Um, they do board elections and, yeah. and lots of other stuff I like think that. They usually have cake there too. I bet that they have cake. Yeah. That's pretty good stuff. Uh, finally, also on the 18th, uh, SecureSet is doing a cybersecurity meet and greet at the SecureSet Academy. This is a chance for you to to get to meet not only the folks there, but other folks in the community. Uh, on the 19th, 
PMI Mile High is doing their 21st annual symposium. So this is the uh, Project Management Institute chapter here in town. Yeah, that's pretty fun. And the last event for this week, um, the CSA Denver is getting is doing a Denver CSA, CCSK training on the 19th and 20th. So two days training if you want to go get cloud certified, cloud security certified. I assume uh, Mohammed Malki is giving that training? You know, I... Don't know off the top of my head, but that but seems I, like a pretty I safe think, assumption. I think it's a good guess. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that, that's a lot of events in the next two weeks, Alex. It is. Uh, so if you need to learn stuff, uh, get busy. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and jump over to jobs. There are a couple of opportunities at Ping, so I'll do those first. I'm hiring a junior product security engineer. This is someone who uh, has development background, but you don't necessarily have to have uh, a bunch of security background, just someone who's, who's a, a strong developer who wants to get more involved with doing um, application security. And then if you want to be that person's boss, we are also hiring a product security team lead who will help um, who will help us kind of organize about half of our product security team focused on our SaaS products. Um, and, and that person should have some more experience in security and still have a strong development background. Risk-based security is looking for a threat intelligence research slash analyst. And I believe this job is listed in Boston, but also can be remote here in Denver. Yeah, that sounds right. Recurly is hiring a senior application security engineer. Zvello is looking for a senior software engineer. Bank of America is hiring a cybersecurity incident manager. Visa is looking for a senior cybersecurity engineer. Adams County is hiring an information security analyst. Dish Network is looking for a cybersecurity threat hunter. And finally, NBC Universal is hiring a cybersecurity architect. Um, and that is for DDI, which is DNS, DHCP, and IPAM. Well, you did a better job paying attention to that than I did. Well done. <laughs> well, that is it for the news this week, Alex. Uh, I think this week you sat down with Mary Ritz. You want to talk about that at all? I did. Um, I've known Mary for an awfully long time. We uh, worked together at IBM and probably came there about the same time. Um, she's done a number of things over her career. Uh, she's been a penetration tester, led uh, teams of penetration testers and hunt analysts and other things like that. She is now on the product management side of security. And so I, I talked to her a little bit about that. But also um, what is really cool is when we put out the call a couple months back for people to come help the show, maybe do interviews for us, Mary stepped up and said, hey, I would love to do some interviews. So um, Mary is going to be doing a, a series of interviews um, with women in cybersecurity, um, a lot of them on the, the product side, which is you know sort of a side that we don't hear from a lot. Um, but this is sort of the, the first introduction, and, and that is um, interviewing Mary. And then in the, the future weeks, we'll have some interviews from Mary interviewing other women in security. Awesome. Well, and if that inspires anyone else listening that wants to help us with interviews, reach out. We would love to get your help, and we can give you some details on how to do that. I think that's it for this week. Awesome. All right. We'll look forward to listening to the interview next, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Rob. Hi, this is Rich Schleit, the CISO for the Colorado Department of State. This is Colorado Equal Security. For Colorado security professionals, by Colorado security professionals. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is our feature interview, and this is Alex Wood. I have a very special guest today. Welcome, Mary Ritz. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. Awesome. Um, Glad to have you here, Mary. I'm excited for this conversation. Um, we've known each other for an awfully long time now. Yes. You know, we uh, started working together, oh my gosh, it was probably, um, it's getting close to 20 years. Yes. It's not Very 20 close. years, but it's getting close. Almost, yeah. Um, 
we work together at IBM, mm-hmm. um, not ever on the same team, but in the same org. Yep. Um, and we've been doing that for, or we did that for, uh, I don't know, six, seven years probably before I left anyway. Um, yeah. Maybe even longer than that. Um, but, you know, we've stayed in contact and uh, it was always great for, you know, when you were organizing sort of uh, IBM security alumni events, we'd get together and things like that. Yeah. Um, but for those people that don't know you, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am, um, well, right now I'm leading a product called, for, um, it's an identity and accent it's an identity and access management product. I'm not used to being the interviewee, but uh, so I'm VP of product management and okay. I really enjoy this job. I enjoy product management, but my history has always been cybersecurity. So when I started at IBM, I joined a pen testing team, um, did some application testing, did some network security testing, uh, some forensics work, security intelligence work, and then I joined a uh, I joined a services arm where I started developing services. So it was like product, but on the services side. And uh, yeah, then I just kind of kept going with the product management from there in different areas and um, developing products and services, uh, managed services, professional services, hunt teams, uh, the ArcSight sim, uh, and now I'm with Fordrock. Nice. Um, I don't even know if, if I know, were you doing security before you came to IBM? Or what were you doing? How did that lead up to that? Ah, uh, great question. So I had just, uh, you know, when I joined IBM, I had just graduated college. So I was fresh okay. out of college, but I had first been in, job. Yeah, it was my first job. Nice. And I had been, uh, I had been working at a small startup in downtown Denver, and they did data, data stuff. But I was the IT admin, and they thought they got hacked one day. So I started poking around, and I, I learned about Nmap and started scanning things. Yeah. And then I was starting grad school in Boulder, and on the email list, IBM was looking for pen testers. At the time, they called it ethical hacking. Yep. And I was not qualified, but I thought, I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring. And I got an interview, and I thought, man, I didn't do a great job in that interview because I don't know what I'm doing, but right. nobody knew what they were doing then. <laughs> exactly. So I knew just as much as anybody else. No. In fact, maybe more because I knew how to use Nmap. Um, yeah, so I, then I, so my first real big job out of, was IBM. Nice. Um, what was what did you go to school for? Was it computer science or? I did information systems and okay. math, and then graduate school is telecom. Nice. Um, so so you got in. You started doing pen testing. What was that like? Learning that whole trade. Um, you know, in the the early two thousands, when it was a much different world than it is today. You know, I joined the team. And they were afraid to let me touch any customer systems. They sat me in uh, the corner. Probably rightly so. <laughs> I, I don't know that I would hire, um, even today, anyone off the street and, and let them immediately go jump and do stuff like that. But They sat me with, uh, remember that big red hacking exposed book? Yep. Okay, so I sat in the corner and read that. And, and uh, it felt like, I don't think it was months, but it felt like months were going by. And I thought, no way they're going to keep paying me to just read <laughs> books. So... I, I set up Linux on my box and I set up Nessus and I started scanning things and sh- um, I was reading, you know, smashing the stack for fun and profit and playing around with buffer overflow. So I, so I went to my boss and said, look, I, I can do all of these things. And then they said, okay. And then they let me loose. Um, but actually they put me on an, an app testing team, which was kind of white box hacking. So you're, you're like a multi-tenant environment trying to get to customer 
B from customer A. Um, so that was pretty safe for me. But then I just kind of learned on the job just yeah. by doing kind of what I did to get started, which is just playing around, um, you know, playing around with lab environments and workstations that I had at my disposal. Yeah. And if I remember right, at some point you ended up leading that team too, yes? I did, yeah, for many years. And that was probably my most fun job. Like, I think of that the most fondly. We were having the best time. It was in an era where you could, we hacked into banks, we hacked into jewelry stores, we'd walk around and crack everybody's Wi-Fi network. I mean, everything could be broken pretty simply. Yeah. Uh, now I I look at what the pen testers are doing and it's so sophisticated and they're so uh, focused in one tiny discipline. But at the time we were just, we were doing anything. We would take any kind of pen testing gig, whether it was uh, a system or an application or Wi-Fi or network or whatever. Well, I think things were, were so less defined than two on you know, what a pen test was or the things that you should be doing. Um, not that things aren't creative today, but it was kind of like choose your own adventure, right? It's yeah. like, hey, you're hiring me to do something. You don't exactly know what you're hiring me to do. I don't know exactly what you're hiring <laughs> me to do. We're, we're going to go break some stuff and have a good time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good, but it did get boring. I remember thinking if I see one more SQL injection, like wow. I'm just going to barf. I'm, I think it's probably gotten a little <laughs> bit better, but I, I'm sure that pen testers today... <laughs> Have the, some of the same feel. Maybe it's not SQL injection, but it's. I'm sure that there's something out there. It's like, oh my god, if I can't, if I see this one thing again, it's gonna, <laughs> gonna yeah. go crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you mentioned some of the things that you did, but after that team, what, what was the next step for you? Uh, the next big step was moving into um, product and portfolio management. So I was designing some services with IBM. I think my favorite one was DDoS. I think DDoS is really. Interesting because it's the most unfair, imbalanced attack. Um, you know, as someone that's trying to provide a robust environment, you just have to be able to take a punch, and that's right. expensive, and it's pretty cheap to launch an attack. So, I really enjoyed um, this. Uh, I enjoy working on DDoS. I I moved to Hewlett Packard and did some professional services work, primarily building hunt teams, looking for new ways to find. Uh, threats and breaches in the environment with big data. So playing around with Jupyter notebooks and some machine learning algorithms, which I really enjoyed because, um, you know, it was the innovative, creative, forward thinking, you know, how can we find stuff we haven't found before? And at the time, big data was fairly new. So we had this new, new tool set at our disposal that we never had before. We could look at lots of data over longer periods of time. So that was fun. I always have fun when I'm pioneering new areas. Hunt Teams is pretty cool. So what was it that um, that made you move over to the product side? Was it uh, just something that's sort of organic? Did you have a, have a conscious thought of why you wanted to go yeah, that direction? It, it was offered to me and I just thought, oh, I'll give it a try. I've always been pretty curious. Yeah. And in security, it, it, my path has often been something gets presented to me as an option and I think, Sure, I'll give that a try. And every couple yeah. of years, I get bored with what I'm doing, so it feels like a right time to try something new. And um, yeah, that that defines a lot of the steps <laughs> in my career. I mean, that's pretty cool that you'd be willing to to take that chance, do something you know brand new that you've probably never done before. Yeah, I think a lot of people, if you think uh, you know penetration tester, like the last thing that they want want to do was go move over and to do to be a product manager right it's you know i don't want to say the complete opposite but it's it is very different 
Yeah. I would think. Yeah, although if you look at my uh, skill set, so while I was leading a pen testing team, I, I always bubbled up to positions where it was a cross of business leadership and technology leadership. So I, I, it kind of makes sense when you think about it. So I was leading an ethical hacking team, but I was never the best pen tester. I was always kind of the worst pen tester because mm-hmm. I could do it, but I'm slow. So, but I could recognize uh, the value in the team and what they're contributing because I deeply understand it. But also I was like best suited because I was good at talking with customers and getting deals yeah. signed and like shouldering responsibility and authority that a lot of the pen testing team just does not want to have to deal with. And so it kind of makes sense that I tend to, to straddle both technical and business, which is the sweet spot of product management. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think that having having those technical skills has helped you on the product management side? Yeah, absolutely. I feel I couldn't... It gives me this credibility that um, it's just like my feet are firmly planted in the ground. I'm not intimidated by... Um, well, I don't feel smarter than anybody in the room. I don't feel intimidated by anybody in the room. Like I've worked with the smartest people. I can do what they do, albeit I'm much slower, but it just gives me this conviction that I, you know, I, I can get to the bottom of technology and understand what's going on and help design it. So it's helped me feel confident about decision making, but also gives um, other people confidence about me that yeah. I know what I'm doing. That's good. Um, so I think I, I took maybe one step uh, farther than I wanted to get. So I want to backtrack just a little bit. So I think many people probably know <coughs> the term product manager. But they may not know actually what a project manager or a product manager actually does. So, so oh. what? So what do you? In your words, what what do you do? What's what's a, a product manager? Okay, so a product manager. Um, so in my case, you're you're probably thinking about like a software-based solution or a SaaS-based solution, and you're really at the hub of getting that product built. So you're the core person thinking about the roadmap, how the product's going to work, what features are going to be really important. Uh, you work with, so the hub around, the spokes around you are engineering. So you'll be paired with an engineer, a group of engineers that are building what you're thinking about. Your another spoke is marketing. So you've got to make sure marketing understands the value of the product. Um, you talk to all the customers because you want to understand what they need to make sure you're building things that are useful. Uh, you talk to support to make sure they can support the product. So really you're, you're kind of at the hub of these software companies understanding the problem. Uh, working with engineers to understand, can we solve that problem? Um, and then telling sales, here's what we solved and why it's cool. Here's why you'd be able to sell it because we solve a real problem. And you're in the middle of all of that. Um, so largely, people look to you for having a good vision about where your product's going, where the industry is going, so that you, you know, you're, you're usually thinking... Um, one, two, three, five years ahead because you're. it takes a long time to build things. But it's fun because you get to talk with, like, it can feel intimidating to say, okay, I've got this, uh, you know, I've, I've managed products that bring in several hundreds of million dollars a year and it's kind of intimidating to be the person that's deciding what's the future of that product. But you have to realize you have access to really smart engineers, really smart architects, uh, industry experts, all of the top customers with their expertise helping give you a lot of input. Uh, and it, it really becomes clear, I feel like at some point it becomes really clear what your direction should be if you're paying attention and talking to people and listening. 
Um, so I find it, uh, yeah, it's pretty satisfying. Although the downside to product management is anything that goes wrong, you're sort it's, of... It's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one on the hook, Mary. You either get all the glory or <laughs> uh, beat up. Um, so it can be highly satisfying and also incredibly stressful. Yeah, I'm sure. Do you, are, are there any particular lessons that you, you feel like you've learned? Um, you know, product management is sort of a skill that goes across many different disciplines. Um, but, you, you know, you've done it in, in security. Are mm -hmm. there things you think you've learned about security from being a product manager? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, there's a few lessons I've learned. In security in particular, I think about products I've worked on that have failed and why they failed. I did worked on one product that I found is really great. Um, it would find breaches that hadn't been found any other way but through DNS data. And it was okay. so cool and the algorithms were rock right. solid. The Sounds math cool. was great. Problem is you can't collect DNS data at most enterprises in the way we need it. It's really fragmented. You would have to put thousands of taps out there. It's just like practically a nightmare to try and get that data. Um, and so it solved a great problem, but practically is it's a huge amount of friction to figure out how am I going to get this up and running for the customer? It's going to be this huge project for them. I now have to become a DNS expert and I'm not a DNS architecture expert. So I like to look at, I like to be really practical. So I like to think about, okay, what are the data feeds that we can commonly get that aren't an act of Congress to get? And right. then try and find breaches on those because to, uh, to crack the DNS problem is just, it gets really big, uh, really hard. Or you, my favorite problem with, with that particular technology was you would, you would know for sure you had a, a breach and you could never figure out which host was actually breached because it was proxied so many times upstream. So it's like Somebody out there somewhere is making a DNS request. I know that, that, that they're, they're owned. I'm sure we're owned. Someone out there is owned. I, I don't I know who. I cannot find it. Yeah. Yeah, so I like to, um, yeah, I, which is why, I mean, the biggest lesson is to, to talk with people and get to understand what it's, what it's like um, in the security operations center, in the data engineering, when we're thinking about what data do we have access to? What can we do with it? What's your situation? Uh, you just can't build something in a lab and say, uh, it's cool, it works in a lab. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that that sort of echoes security in, in general and how security has started to grow up a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think you know, early on in, my, in our careers, you know, back at IBM, it was still, you know, kind of people, um, you know, shaking their fist, it's like, <laughs> take more care about security, pay attention to us. There's all these bad things. And it wasn't, no one really thinking about, okay, well, what's the value? Yeah. Um, how can I get, engage people to care about this? Yeah. How, you know, all those sorts of things. It was, you know, and we're a little bit better at that now. You know, the, yeah. the industry has grown up a little Definitely. bit. We're, we're not awesome yet, I don't think, <laughs> but we're, we're getting better. Um, so it's interesting to hear that from sort of the other, other side too. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing I've seen in security is you're, so there's always a lack of skill sets, right, in security. Yeah. So you want to build tools that are simple and easy. So you're trying to build something that a junior analyst could work with. But you've also got to enable the experts. You've got these level four hunters that know exactly what they're doing. Right. And so you're building two ends of the spectrum 
And that can feel, uh, it, sort of you need to do that, but that can feel confusing to marketing and sales. Well, what are we? Are we simple or are we complex? Well, we had to solve both, right? There's like these two yeah. groups and we're trying to enable the junior people to be better, but we can't limit the experts that have got to go in there and do what they need to do. Uh, so that, I feel like that's a particular challenge with security and the skills gap right now. Um, trying to, just trying to get the right balance between simplicity and stuff that's highly valuable, but ends up being complex because security is a complex problem. There's not yeah. always an easy, simple button. That is definitely true. <laughs> if somebody could come up with an easy button, put a lot of us out of work, but it would be great. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like you're driven in product managed to do that. Just build something that's dead simple. Well, yeah. I can, but then it just solves a very simple use case for yeah. these people that need to use it. And they need more. Like, that's not that useful to them, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you spent a lot of time doing product management for what I would call sort of traditional security products. Yeah. Um, now you're doing identity management. Yeah. Um, which big change. <laughs> it, it, that is a big change. Yeah. And I think, you know, sort of finally we're seeing identity management be more in line with security, you know, mm -hmm. sort of, um, you know, in, in the way back, it was kind of like, oh, there's security things and then there's identity things. And those, yeah. those are different that they, right. they play different areas. And now, yeah. you know, identity based security, uh, zero trust, you know, all this stuff is sort of coming to the forefront of the security side and it's all based on identity. Yeah, I, I, it's why I wanted to make the switch because I saw insecurity. So we started looking at network security. That's kind of the first thing we tackle. And then you do operation or operating system security, OS security, and then application security. But as the perimeter disappears more and more, identity is the thing that you can key off on. Identity right. becomes that perimeter. So identity is, and user behavior is increasingly important, which was really interesting to me and made me want to learn more about identity. On the flip side, identity has this whole other side of it, which is not cybersecurity related, which is an identity of a consumer for, I don't know, like your iTunes account or your Spotify account, just to enable you to uh, grow your business digitally. And so it's been interesting to be in a, a product that does both. So part of the product is security and part of it is actually growing business. And that, um, so it's been, it's been fun to learn an entirely new domain. And I remember thinking, how hard could it be to learn identity? Yeah. I'd pick it up pretty quick, right? I, every day I learn something new. Identity is this really deep nuanced area. And, uh, there's people that have been doing it their whole life and they call them identity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that term before. I hadn't either. Uh, yeah. But that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I was going to ask, pretty steep learning curve. It's Very steep learning curve. I'm not sure I'll ever completely master it. But I, yeah. I mean, I know it really well now, but to master it at the deepest level, man, it's, yeah, it's pretty deep and nuanced. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And I think it's a good place to be because, you know, it is... It was what was not sexy before is now the, the sexy thing. So you're, de yeah. I think you're definitely in the right place. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. And really every identity, every application needs identity. So you get to think about technology from the mainframe all the way to service meshes and Istio. So you're just, you get to like think about all the technology in the land, which is fun. It's fun. Yeah. That um, you mentioned some of the sort of, you know, more cutting edge stuff there. 
Is there anything that you see going on in security right now, or identity, or both, that, that really excites you? Uh, you know, could could make a you know a big difference. Well, um, I you know I feel like with security, it's it's always the basics that really make the biggest yeah. difference, which is this. I feel like that's kind of the bummer answer, but I all of the I feel like there's a lot of possibility with machine learning. We're not there yet to unlock the value of that. I think it's um, aspirational still. Uh, what I think is interesting with security is the new, the new models of application development where you're breaking things out into microservices with service meshes and sidecars for security. So how do you, I, um, it's not gonna solve any problems. It's only gonna make things harder. So not only do we have to secure all of the architectures from times past, mainframe, um, client, server, uh, web apps, and now we've got to do these service meshes. But I think they're really interesting and something to keep a pulse on as we try and enable, you know, like new new ways of developing apps and having you know your IT infrastructure sit. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, so so switching gears a little bit. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons that we're doing this interview is that you're awesome, and I wanted to talk to you. Um, but one of the other reasons that uh, that we're talking is because uh, a few months back we had sort of put out a call to people and said, hey, if you want to help us, um, we would love for some people to step up and do interviews and, and other things like that. And, and you were one of the people that stepped up and said, hey, I have an idea. I'd love to interview some people. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, maybe to start, you know, what was the idea that you had and, you know, what are you looking to do? Yeah, I thought, you know what, I would love to hear... Uh, more women voices on Colorado Equal Security, and I would love to hear more of the product perspective. Yeah. And so I sent you a note saying, hey, if you'd be interested, I know several women in the product side of cybersecurity, and they're pretty awesome, and I could interview them just to you know infuse um, some new angles. Although you do have women on your show, and you do do product stuff. So, But I just so felt we like... We do some. I, I think... felt like I could add... More and also, I thought it would just be fun to, to get to talk to people and yeah, um, yeah. So and then you said yeah. yes, so here yeah, we are. And we said yes, here we are. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I thought that was a great idea. Um, we always love to have more women on the show, um, and you know, well, we we talk to to founders and and things like that, and that's you know a little bit producty, yeah. but it's not necessarily in the weeds kind of producty, and I don't yeah. think that we. We generally, as security people, um, hear that perspective much at all. Yeah. So, I, um, so women or not, I thought that that was an interesting perspective, and that people might want to hear that. So, I'm yeah. glad that you were interested in in talking about that stuff. Um, so, do you have uh, sort of an idea of of what this is going to look like? I know that you have gotten at least a little bit um, done in terms of the interview process, but yeah. So, I was I was going to start with three interviews. So, I have three. Um pretty awesome product leaders in different areas. And so I'll do one interview with each of them. So I'll do kind of a mini, you know, you'll get three different interviews with three different women in product. One currently is in the, the marketing, product marketing side, one uh, leading product development, and one leading um, the product from the services side. So a big pen testing team, but how nice. you build out that kind of offering. Because product, I think of it with a capital P. It's not just software. It could be a service. It could be uh, a SaaS. It could be, you know, there's all different kinds of products, things you buy. 
Nice. And so you already have some lined up. Are you looking to get more people beyond the ones that, that you're thinking about? Or? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, yeah, I'd love to keep keep it going. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if, if people are interested in talking to Mary, uh, reach out to us and we'll get you guys connected. And yes. then Mary can do some additional interviews. Yes, that would be awesome. Um, so I, I'm, I am really looking forward to that. Um, this is the, the first interview in that series. Mm. And um, we're probably not going to run them, uh, you know, in a direct series, but they'll be kind of spliced in with all the other stuff so people can look forward to that. Um, switching gears again, um, what else uh, interesting has been going on with you? Is, is, this, uh, is this an exciting ski season for you? <laughs> this was a great ski season. A lot of snow. Um, yeah, I... I listen to a lot of music, so that's pretty good. I'm into the, um, yeah, it's been pretty fun. I've been traveling quite a bit. What's been, um, so I'm a mom of a, a three-year-old. And yeah. so my life, the last couple of years has been figuring out how to navigate doing all the fun things I want to do uh, for work and also be a mom. So that's been um that's been a fun challenge for me, and I feel like I'm starting to make some progress there. Yeah. So you figured it out? Well. <laughs> so what's the secret? I'm sure everyone will want to know what the secret is. Yeah. Well, I started out, so I have to travel a lot. In product, yeah. you need to visit customers and go to conferences. So your life needs to be traveling. And when I first um, had her, I remember I had traveled 14 weeks straight, and I thought, I might just quit, you know, I might just, maybe I should be a stay-at-home mom. And then I remembered, I love what I do. I really love it. So yeah. how do I, how do I figure out how to do this? And um, so what I do now is I, I take her half the time. <laughs> so I oh. have someone that will travel with me. And uh, so half the time I take her and half the time I don't, which works pretty well for now. But it's challenging to, it's, it's a, I would say it's a struggle to have, be a mom of a young child uh, in an executive role. So I'm, it's something that takes a lot of my time and trying to figure out how to keep everything afloat right now. Yeah, and uh, you said three? She's three, yeah, so, just turned three. So you got you know, another year maybe before, you know, her activities are probably gonna limit traveling with you. I know, yeah, I'm so, not, but, but maybe it'll feel different then, you know. Like, maybe. Yeah. I. It seems to me every year I have to recalibrate my approach. What yeah. worked when she was one was different than when she was two is different than when she was three. So I imagine every year will be a recalibration. But um, but I sure love being a mom and I sure love my job. So I'm glad that right now I found a way to do both. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I mean, I think that's a good thing to hear too because I know a lot of times people struggle with those sorts of choices Mm. Um, and, and being a dad, it, it's a little bit easier for me. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's always a struggle for me too. I've been in, in jobs where I travel a fair amount and it, it's no fun being away from your kids, being away from your family. I know. Yeah. It's like, it's the, it's the right thing for the job, the wrong thing for your family. Um, but I do find that, you know, kids tolerate traveling just fine. I, I think it's more just it just has to feel right to you so i don't think it's a problem if i travel but if i travel too much i i actually think my daughter's okay but i tend to get a little <laughs> squirrely about it and i just yeah start to wonder if i'm making good life choices but um 
yeah so well you know and i've i know a lot of people that when they have young kids they just they don't want to do anything they want to make everything as routine as possible mm -hmm. you know let's you know this is our exact schedule we're going to keep <laughs> on that schedule we're never deviating from that schedule um and I honestly think it's healthier for kids to have a little, you, know, you don't want it to be crazy, but you want yeah. to, to, some more variability, some, you know, get them used to the the, the weird, crazy life that, that's out there. And yeah. also, you know, to see lots of places, you know, your, your daughter's probably not going to remember exactly all the places that you went, but experiencing lots of different things, I think is awesome, especially as a young child. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of fun times together. We go to San Francisco a lot, so we definitely see weird things and yeah. we take public transportation around there. It's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, anything that I have missed, Mary? Anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on? No, this was great. Thank you. Awesome. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you for stepping up and you know being one of our our. I don't even know what we don't have a title for you yet. Um, <laughs> guest contributor, um, yeah. uh, honorary Colorado Equals Security interviewer. <laughs> We'll have to think of a formal title for the, the people that we're having do these. But, yeah. but you know, um, I appreciate that, that you are willing to do this. I appreciate the interesting perspective at, that you're trying to bring. Um, and I know people are going to love the interviews. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I listen to the podcast. I've listened to almost every podcast, so I'm a big fan. So awesome. it's pretty fun to get to be a part of it. Well, and we were talking before uh, we started about how, you know, both of us, you know, Colorado is the place, right? Yeah. You know, it's, um, it, yeah. it is sometimes can be um, career limiting. If someone says, hey, I have an awesome job for you, but you got to move to San Francisco or New York mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, but, you know, I, th I think we both realize that Colorado is that, that special place and it, yeah. and it makes sense for us to be here. Yeah, I, yeah, I, for job wise, it always seems like I should move, especially to the Bay Area, but I just want to be here. So I figure out how to stay here and I love yeah. it here. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Mary. It's great talking to you. Yeah. We all look forward to the interviews. This has been Colorado Equal Security, and we will talk to you next time. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado Equal Security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.